Newt Gingrich obsessed with your blood sugar level? Unlikely, you say? Perhaps best known for his contract with America and the subsequent Republican control of the House of Representatives for 12 years, many physicians do not know that Speaker Gingrich has been very active in formulation of health care policy, even after retiring from Congress. He has been working hard on creating a public and private bipartisan collaboration to improve the care of diabetes across the United States. You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Today we are discussing the Center for Health Transformation, a think tank founded by Speaker Gingrich. In this segment, we will be focusing on public policy and diabetes. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. With me today is Speaker Newt Gingrich. He has served in Congress for 20 years. With a wide variety of intellectual and public policy interests, one little-known fact is that he is actually the longest-serving teacher of the Joint Warfighting Course for Major Generals. Welcome, Speaker Gingrich. Listen, it is great to be talking with you, and, and I think that this is a very, very important topic, and I'm really delighted with the program that you have, which allows doctors to learn in a practical way and, and keeps them in touch with a continuous learning environment at their convenience when they have the time. How did you go about obtaining both private and public support, as well as bipartisan interest in changing policy and funding and the emphasis of the healthcare system for treating diabetes? Well, it really started when I was Speaker of the House, and Dr. David Satcher was then the head of the Center for Disease Control. And he came to see me and briefed to brief me. And and as he tells the story, we originally had a 15-minute appointment, and as he began to outline the degree to which diabetes is the largest single cost driver in Medicare, I got more and more intrigued with what he was talking about and how he was describing it. And ultimately, we postponed several meetings, and we ended up with a two-hour meeting and really had a remarkable conversation. And at the end of that, I realized that diabetes drives about every fourth dollar in healthcare at the Medicare level. So every fourth dollar of Medicare has a relationship to diabetes. It is the leading cause of adult blindness. It is a major cause of amputation of limbs. I think the leading cause of amputation of limbs. It is a major cause of kidney failure leading to the requirement for dialysis and is a major cause of heart disease. I'm talking about type 2 adult-onset diabetes, not type 1 diabetes, which is a genetic condition, and and I used to serve on the Juvenile Diabetes Board. But type 2 is, in many ways, a lifestyle disease. And you see this today because we have children 12, 13, and 14 years old who are overweight, don't exercise, and are in danger of becoming type 2 diabetics at 16 years of age, when historically they probably would either never have become diabetic or they would become diabetic in their 50s and 60s. And so if you change your diet and you change your exercise pattern, uh, you can have a dramatic impact on diabetes, as, as Governor Mike Huckabee has proven in his own personal life where he dropped over 100 pounds and began r- running regularly and has substantially improved his health outcome and did it for a practical reason. His doctor looked at him and said, you're going to die in three or four years unless you change. He says, you know, he says, your, your decision, but as an adult, you need to confront this reality. And he, he did confront it, and he changed his life. So we, when I was speaker passed a program for directed research in diabetes at NIH for the first time, and we passed a program for helping Native Americans who have the highest percentage of diabetes of any group in the United States. And it was these two projects that really got me deeply engaged with the American Diabetes Association, the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation, and the diabetes educators. And out of that experience, we began to work with endocrinologists and others. And so when we created the Center for Health Transformation, it just seemed to me absolutely essential that we create 
a attitude and an approach that said that a major part of what we do at the Center for Health Transformation is specifically relating to diabetes and obesity. And, and as a result of that, we have created in Georgia a pilot project, uh, which we call the Healthy Georgia Obesity and Diabetes Project. And in Columbus, Georgia, we have begun to create a, a really comprehensive community approach with uh, tremendous help from Steve Lecter, who is the very, very successful endocrinologist in Columbus. And the result is that every single hospital in the Columbus area is now signed up. Every doctor who deals with people with diabetes have signed up. All of them have gone through the NCQA program to be certified as people who, who know the right procedures, are doing the right things, really maximizing help. We're working in both the workspace to reach employees, and we're working with churches and synagogues and others to reach individuals. We're working with the business community and with the local news media. And this is a really interesting experiment in trying to recognize that, in many ways, diabetes is a cultural phenomenon with a medical consequence. I could swear that. I mean, I read your material. I think you're also working with the schools, aren't you? We have really worked on creating a program with Dominique Wilkins. Uh, Dominique was the nine-time NBA All-Star, terrific guy. He came to us. He heard me speak in Columbus, Georgia. He has diabetes. His father died from the complications of diabetes. He has a very deep human personal passion about diabetes. And so we've launched what we call a full-court press on diabetes among school children. And uh, Cobb County Schools, I think, are going to sign up to do it. The Columbus Schools are signing up to do it. And Dominique is the kind of charismatic leader that, for young people, is very effective and really communicates a, a sense of presence that's quite dynamic. We recently did a screening at the Black Arts Festival, and over a 1,000 people were screened for diabetes while we were there. And a large part of that was because of the star power that Dominique brings to our full-court press. So we're really trying to reach out at every level. We, we want to get to a point where if there's any danger that you might end up with diabetes, that you understand it in advance, you know what you can do about it, if you do get diabetes, we, you get tested as early as possible. You learn how to manage your diabetes. And we work very closely with Novo Nordisk, which has been just extraordinary in developing this program. And so working with Novo and working with Dominique Wilkins, uh, working with Pfizer, who has also been very helpful, frankly, in the Columbus Project, we are really beginning to put together a program that we think makes a big difference. And Laura Lynn, who is our leader in Georgia, would be delighted to talk with anybody who'd like to know how they could take these ideas to their state and how they could apply it in their community. If you have just joined us, you are listening to Reach MD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Speaker Newt Gingrich. Today we are discussing a healthcare think tank that he founded, the Center for Health Transformation. This segment has been focusing on transforming the way diabetes is treated in the United States. Do you have any personal interest, any family members affected because you are so passionate on the subject? We had people who worked with us who had diabetes, and I had an uncle who ended up on kidney dialysis for seven years, and that's, that's probably the closest I've come to having anybody who he, he, his kid had kidney failure and ended up literally on dialysis for seven full years. Now, I wanted to actually focus a little bit more on some of the specific things that you had touched on before. As I recall, you're working on having doctors identify metabolic syndrome earlier. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's specifically happening in Georgia? The first thing is we're doing much earlier screening, and we are trying to get family physicians and general practitioners to really understand the importance of working closely with endocrinologists 
to create a team effort. If you think of diabetes as something which, which at one level has diabetes educators, at another level has your family doctor, and then also has a specialist who has real knowledge about how to control diabetes, at each stage you need to have the appropriate intervention and the appropriate involvement. In addition, we're looking at more and more wireless and automatic monitoring systems so that you can keep track of your diabetes. We're also looking at a transition from the American model, which is a syringe and a needle, to the European model, which is a digitized pen-like device, which gives much, much more accurate injections and allows people to have much more careful control of their lives and and to avoid some of the, the swings that occur with the way we deal with diabetes. So all of those things are coming together. The other thing we're working on, and where Columbus is becoming a real pioneer, is developing a protocol for insulin management in the hospital so that every hospital ends up with the optimum management system for insulin because insulin is the most common single medication error in a hospital. I can tell you, just as an aside, as an obstetrician, I'm on three hospital staffs, and because intravenous insulin is considered so dangerous in some ways, we can only give it intravenously on one of our labor units. So all of our gestational diabetics on insulin can only go to one of our three hospitals. So I can uh, vouch for that. What about the efforts in the schools? Because I know that the center is working uh, to some degree on school collaboration and both exercise and diet. Certainly, I think our audience is going to be very fascinated to hear what this program is doing for schools. Well, we're trying to approach it at, at three levels. The first is voluntary and emotional, if you will, pop culture. And that is the kind of Dominique Wilkins full court press approach where we try to reach the students at their level on their terms in a way that they're very positive about. The second is we're developing right now a proposal to actually have a contest in every school to have the students work on what should we do about diabetes. What we're doing there is we are actually developing a proposal to have students thinking through If we wanted to reach every child in your school, what should we be doing? How can we reach them? Partly because if you have a contest, you just get the kids thinking about it. And you get them writing papers and you get them doing things. And this is a lesson we learned from Senator Orrin Hatch's staff who said that the most successful history program they'd ever seen was a contest where you, if you wrote this paper, you had a chance to win a small prize. And so everybody was doing the research and they were all excited because they had made learning a competitive environment again. What about the school monitoring of weight? I strongly believe that this is as simple as buying a digital scale for every homeroom and three times a year weighing the students, recognizing you're not worried about 106 versus 109. You're worried about 106 versus 206. And you want to discover the outliers, and you want to intervene with them as early as possible. And that may mean first, second, third grade. It's hard to believe. But I dealt with a nutritionist who was working with a child who at one year of age was 59 pounds. It's inconceivable. And you say, how could that happen? And it's a routine problem today. Partly, we think, brought on by the way WIC is handled, because women are over-nursing in the sense that instead of giving the child a half a bottle of milk, they're giving them a full bottle of milk in the theory that they'll sleep longer. And what's happening is we're conditioning kids to eat much more food at one, two, and three years of age. The children today are simply heavier. It's a significant challenge to shift these underlying patterns in the culture. We think that the schools should go back to mandatory K-12, through five-day-a-week physical education and have it be real. We think that one of the keys to exercise is exercising. And if you got kids into the habit of being physically active, you have this tragic irony that a species which had been designed for hunting, gathering, 
for walking for hours every day, for eating fruit and vegetables and very modest amounts of meat and no processed sugar. It has converted itself into a species that likes to lay on the couch, watch television, play with a computer, and eat large quantities of fat and large quantities of commercial sugar. Well, we're genetically not designed for that lifestyle. This is a cultural problem and requires a cultural answer as well as a medical answer. Well, I'm very impressed, and I think our audience will be too, by your efforts to transform the way diabetes is being managed and even diagnosed in the United States. I want to thank Speaker Newt Gingrich, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the efforts of the Center for Health Transformation, which he founded. In this segment, we focused on the Center's efforts to transform the way diabetes is treated in the United States. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Be safe. Be informed. For comments and questions about this program, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.